Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. Should be joined by Dave Hastings, Larry Schmelrose, and maybe Eric Tressler tonight. And we got a lot to talk about tonight, as we always do. Yes, as Cousin David is pointing out in the chat room, we are talking about the NFCs because this was a, this was an upset-filled week this week. And so you had the two big upsets coming out of the NFC East. I, you know, here's the thing. When you got five teams that are five and seven in football and two of them are atop a division, the, it is still the NFC least. But I think for one week, you got the Giants and the Washington football team that stood pretty tall. Then you have what happened with Jacksonville and the New York Jets, where both of them had the opportunity to get off to Schneid, so to speak. And they both lost. And with, as far as the Jets went, they, they lost in spectacular fashion. So we had two big upsets this week. We had the opportunity to, for four. And that went awry. And we have everything else to talk about with week 14 of the NFL season, or excuse me, week 13 of the NFL season now in the books. But we have Dave Hastings here tonight. Dave, how you doing? It's not in the books yet, Mike. We got the Cowboys oh, Ravens fair. tonight. I yeah. mean, I feel I mean, like it's a foregone conclusion on who wins. But yeah, I'm, I was going to say, I mean, it might as well be in the books. Yeah, I mean, but other than that, I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing well. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. But, I mean, let's start talking about this right here. Do we want to talk about the victors of the upsets, or do we want to start by talking about the two teams that could have added to the upset-filled week that was, but, you know, because they're the Jaguars and Jets, they didn't. Um, let's talk, we'll start with the sadder stories of the Jaguars and the Jets. I think that's, that's a good place to go. And, um, you know, at least one Jet coach got fired. Um, not the one we were all calling for, but after that play call on, you know, basically a Hail Mary situation. Yeah. Definitely was a, an appropriate decision by the team, but mm-hmm. I don't know how you don't let go of Gase as well. That, I'm still confused by that. Yeah, uh, Larry Schmelrose is here tonight. Larry, how you doing? Rick, how are you guys? All right, and let's get this out of the way. Let's get this out of the way. Let's let's give uh, Schmelrose's props. Schmelrose was. The, I mean, we're jumping around a little bit here, but it's okay. We're we're going to stick with the Jets, but I want to give Schmelrose's props. He's the one who picked the Giants to win. He's the one who texted us before the game last night and said, I think Washington's going to win too. And lo and behold, they both wound up winning. So let's give him some props on that. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I don't appreciate getting it out of the way. So go back to the Jets (laughs) and I'll take my pat on the back later. I I wanted to be nice and start you off right there. (laughs) But okay. All right, let's let's fake some outrage here to start off the show. That's a good way to do it. Um, all right, let's go with the Jets. Here's here's what I want to say right off the bat about the Jets. Greg w- Williams, in my opinion, is the most overrated defensive coordinator I've seen in the NFL since Rob Ryan. Everybody hailed Rob Ryan as this defensive guy and everything. He was the Cowboys defensive coordinator. 
what has Greg Williams done in years to live up to his reputation? In my opinion, ever since Bounty Gate happened and he was allowed back in the league after that, Greg Williams has done nothing to earn the reputation of a defensive mastermind that has been placed on him from something that happened, what, 10, 15 years ago? Like, I, I don't really care what his reasoning was for that. As much as in the NFL, he's probably going to get another job. Greg Williams should never be allowed to work in the NFL again. If we're saying Adam Gay should never be allowed to work in the NFL again after he gets fired by the Jets at the end of the season, which we all know is coming, Greg Williams should not be able to escape this, and Greg Williams should not be able to get another job himself. So that's what I got to say. Dave, I, I mean, look, I, when it comes down to Greg Williams, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised that of the idea that he does get another defensive coordinator position but at one point or another, he was either a defensive line coach or a linebacker's coach or a secondary coach. I mean, that's the kind of demotion I think you're going to see him looking at and kind of having to earn his way back up if he ever gets the chance. And with his age and the amount of years he's coached, I wouldn't be surprised um, that, you know, he calls it quits before he takes that kind of demotion. But I thought the more interesting thing was what ended up – well, maybe not more interesting, but maybe just as interesting was what happened after the game and Gay saying that he had no idea that he called that – made that call and that, you know, um, one of the sec the secondary player that was taking – took the call and gave it to the team. Like, everybody was like, that's not the right call, but all right, well, that's what we're going to run because that's what the coach told us to run. And – I, there, there's a lot of question marks to me on that one. And, and, you know, what, it's not surprising um, to hear the amount of negative things coming out from that team with where they're at and how they lost that game. Cause you should not have lost that game. Um, but it's, it's mind blowing to me that you call basically a cover zero all out blitz with, the team you're playing having zero timeouts left or you have one timeout and you see your, as a head coach, you have one timeout and you see your team lining up like that. Wouldn't you call a timeout and regroup? And I, I, there's so many question marks. There's so much, so many issues in that team and that organization. Like if I'm Darnold, I want out. If I'm the kid coming out of uh, uh, Clemson, um, yeah, like if I'm like I don't want anything to do with that franchise, and yeah, there's a lot going on there that I think we're just kind of getting introduced to. And I like what your cousin said, like maybe Williams just hates Gase and made the call to try and cost him uh, Gase his job, and maybe he gets the interim head coach spot, but instead Gase gets the chopping block. And yeah, I I, I was blown away by that one. That that should never have happened. I'm trying to find the number right now because I can't remember the exact number, but the, the statistic was there's been like 256 instances like the one presented on that final play on Sunday uh, over the last five years or whatever. Again, I apologize for not finding the exact number. Not one of them ever called uh, cover zero in that specific instance before Greg Williams did. And uh, Shmel Rose, I, I, 256. And no, I don't even think it was one time, Cousin David. I'm pretty sure that was the first instance out of all those to go cover zero. Um, Shmel Rose, what do you got to say? 
I it's like how does how how as a player as a defensive captain like you know that's wrong. You've played the game for how long? You know it's a bad call. How do you not line up, audible your guys, and just I just don't understand. Like how how do you not have pride and try to win as a player at that point? Like fuck what they're doing. We got a chance to win this game. Uh, you know he called this. We're gonna do this, boys. Change it up. You know they they have that freedom, don't they? I just don't understand how, like, from the coaches to the players, how you can let it happen. You can't just put it all on the coaches. Somebody could have said something. Somebody, a veteran could have called a timeout on the field. Somebody could have done something. It's just, it's something weird is going on over there. Uh, something's up, you know, and it's it's weird. It's just really weird. It's hard to explain. I don't even think it's tanking. It's just toxicity, mm. I think, is the right word. Well, I kind of have to agree with what Cousin David is saying in the chat that the player would have gotten crap from the coach because I I get the idea that the player doesn't want to go against his coach even if he knows it's the wrong decision. I I get that one. I understand that. Dave, to go back to something you said, uh, I can definitely believe that Gase, who is so clueless to the point that he has openly acknowledged he he doesn't do anything with the defense, I I can believe that he's dumb enough to not do anything in that situation. And quite frankly, if he was a real head coach, he would hear, wait a minute, you're doing what? Cause he would have been talking to his defensive coordinator when he drew up that play. The, how many head coaches do we see? They may not run certain aspects of it, but they have their hands in it. They know what's going on. Gase is so clueless that he basically gave all control of the defense to Greg Williams. So he hears that he's not smart enough to call the timeout on that. I mean, I think we all agree. They should have been fired a long time ago, but they both should have been fired for that. Williams for calling the play and Gase for not doing anything to stop. It. So any final thoughts on this one before we move on? I like you said, I mean, when it's all said and done, like I think Larry makes a great spot or a point about the fact that as a player, you're the only ones that 100% truly are at this point of your season auditioning for another job. Outside mm-hmm. of any guy that's on a long-term contract, even Darnold himself, like they really are auditioning for a ne- their next job. And I, I, to me, I think that's the one thing that uh, Marcus May, uh, I finally remembered his name. I think yeah. that's the one thing Marcus May might have been thinking about. Wasn't really the repercussions with the Jets, but more if this doesn't work and I audible out of this, what's the trickle down effect going to be for me moving forward in my career? Am I going to be tagged as a guy that can't, can't be coached? Um, and I think that's kind of a, an interesting way to look at it. And I think that's kind of the scenario that they're in. Um, and I think that was the hard part for them was just kind of dealing with that. And like, I, I just don't know how, how you can make the right decision there. I really just don't. I don't know. To me, it's a lose-lose for the player. Um, and you know, it really does fall on Williams and Gase for allowing that to be the play call. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that point. I mean, again, I think it's hard for the players to be the ones 
to override the head coach uh, because of what they have to deal with in the locker room. But I, you know, Marcus may saying that damage control in terms of his reputation. I didn't even think that one until you said it, but that's a good point right there. So Schmel- that is a good point. And that's a lot of choices to make in 40 seconds. Um, but for me, I don't know, dude, an audible to me is not as, as, as big as going against the coach. I think, I think, like, I don't know, if they call cover two, like the captain of the defense, if he sees something, has the usually has the, uh, you know, if he's a veteran at least, has the uh, capabilities to audible to a cover four, doesn't he? Like, I just don't – that's the only thing that holds me up on that. Like, I get it, and that I appreciate that point. And it, you're right, it's a lot of choices to make in 40 seconds when you're looking at it like that. But uh, – I don't know, man. To me, I'd, I'd like I'd rather win a game. That's just me, I guess, from a player standpoint. I'd rather win a game, catch shit from a shitty coach, than uh, than lose every well, game this year. Well, well, let me ask you something. Doesn't part of that ability to audible on the field doesn't that also concern itself with what type of personnel you had on the field? Because listen, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't. You know, I've seen the last play a few times since then, but I wasn't watching it at the moment what if the personnel wasn't there to be able to make that audible to have people switch into coverage off of the blitz? Yeah. I'd have to look deeper into that, but you could still tell guys, you know, it's just, there's always different coverages out of different packages. You know, it's a simple call. You see guys shift all the time. You used to have battles between Ray Lewis and Peyton Manning. I mean, they ran the, the, the teams mm-hmm. out there. I mean, I know we're talking about great veterans who were winning games and stuff, but I mean, you're made the leader of a team as a defense. They put a C on your chest for a reason. I know in hockey it means a lot. Maybe it doesn't mean as much in football. Maybe you're just a coin flip guy. I don't know, but I'm sorry. Like, somebody's got to step up and be a leader because the coaching staff, the management, it's all crap. So they're auditioning. So, yeah, if I go in for an interview, I'm like, look, my coach called something that nobody's ever called. So, yeah, I audibled out of it. If you want to hold that against me, that's fine. Mm. You know, look what was going on there. It's hard to hold that against somebody. Well, I'll say this. Being that I picked the Raiders in my survivor pool, uh, I do thank Greg Williams for that dumbass call. Uh, (laughs) And I know Jet fans would be happy, you know, with Trevor Lawrence. They'll be happy with this down the line. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think any fan, any player wants to be on the 0-16 team or be associated with that. So, in the moment – nobody's happy with anything like that except me because I won my survivor pool on that, but uh, I've never wanted the jets to win so bad too, just because of how that whole jets Raiders pick went down and everything. I was like, come on boys, get them. No, no, no. That wasn't the one. It was, that was the one. No, that wasn't the one. The game we'll talk about next very quickly was the one. It was the Minnesota Jacksonville game. That also, that also went down uh, to the wire. That was the one that I had uh, prefaced it by saying this was the one I could see being the upset here. That was the one. So let's talk about this. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, The Jaguars lead this game for the bulk of the game. It looks like the Vikings are blowing this. And then correct me because I didn't, I didn't get to watch this game this week. I was working on Sunday. This game went into overtime. And the Vikings yep. win. Yeah. And the Vikings went on a field goal here. So did anybody get the chance to follow this game at all? I mean, I didn't follow it like where I was watching the entire game. I, I kept getting glimpses of it while watching red zone. Um, and it really just seemed like 
Minnesota didn't show up for the game. They didn't take Jacksonville seriously. Uh, Jacksonville took advantage of that early on, but as the game wore on, I mean, the better team kind of got their bearings and didn't, thankfully for them, didn't let Jacksonville basically pull far enough ahead uh, that it was an insurmountable lead. But either way, it was definitely one of those things that, you know, Minnesota's right there in that wild card hunt, and they just showed up and took that game for granted and almost paid the consequences for it. But uh, I know uh, Jets fans were rooting pretty hard for Jacksonville to pull off that win the way the game was initially unfolding. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, Minnesota's just uh, – to me personally, it's just one of those Kirk Cousins things. He's, he's played on teams that have had enough talent to win more games than they've ever won, and I think it's just holding true again this year. I mean, that rookie wide receiver Jefferson they have, they got Thielen back this week. You got, you know, a pretty talented uh, two tight end set with uh, Irv something. Um, you know, they got two different good tight ends. They've got Dalvin Cook. Uh, their offensive line isn't the greatest in the league, but it's definitely, you know, competitive and you know good enough to win games defensively they're they're okay um and, and it just it's just another thing to me where I just feel like Kirk Cousins is the definition of what you would call a bridge quarterback I, I don't think he's the guy that's ever going to take a team to a Super Bowl I think he's the guy that can help a team win enough games to be competitive and also be a guy that can help mentor and develop a younger you know quarterback for the future mm. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that one. I, I think he's a free agent after this season. I think this was, I think he only had like a three-year deal. So they're going to have to move on from there. Um, I will give some props to Mike Glennon here. As much as Glennon has not really done much over the course of his career, I've always liked Mike Glennon for some reason, going back to when he was with Tampa Bay. So he goes 28 for 42 with a touchdown. It does throw two picks. They got good production out of the running back Robinson, the rookie who I'll tell you this, um, you know, it doesn't show in the record, obviously, but Robinson, it looks like he rewarded their faith in him when they dropped for net right before the season started. Cause he looks like he can be a player. So, you know, give him some props on that one, but uh, you know, both these pathetic teams, you can definitely see the difference between the teams that, truly deserve their record and the teams who had the opportunity to be at the same record, but weren't willing to die on the season with the giants and even the Washington team, you can definitely see the differences, especially in crunch time. Whereas the jets and the Jaguars seem to find a way to blow the game in every way possible. The giants are able to hold on. Washington's able to hold on. Again, you see the differences here. Schmelrose? I think Dave made a good point about Kirk Cousins. Um, I've been confused about Kirk Cousins, the whole situation surrounding him since he came out of college. I believe he went to Michigan State, watched him play there. Um, Penn State fan, so you know you watch that that area and shit. And uh, I just – he came out with so highly touted in the draft. Everybody, like Kirk Cousins. I was never really sold on the guy. And then he got paid a lot of money, and he – throws for a few yards but i agree i just don't think he's that guy who gets you over the top he's not going to win you a big game he's going to get yardage and touchdowns with great surrounding cast against bad teams but when he plays halfway decent teams he can't perform 
Mm. And their their defense isn't any good either. But I think what happened with what you said about the Giants and the Redskins, I think everybody talking all that shit woke up two sleeping Giants. You always had two good defenses there. Chase Young, right out of college, is probably one of the better de- – and we've seen a lot of good defensive ends. He's probably one of the better good pass-rushing defensive players that I've seen in a long time. And all he knows how to do is win. And when you start putting those guys in your organization, you start to win. It takes a minute. It doesn't happen right away, especially without a training camp. It takes a minute. But you all piss some people off. And you see the way they're fucking playing? They're pissed because you're all talking shit and laughing at them. Well, now you just woke two sleeping giants and these two teams. The reason I knew Washington would beat Pittsburgh is because they had to keep pace with the Giants. The NFC East was not just going to let the Giants walk away with it. These teams are going to have to win games to to get in, and they know it. And they're going to show up every fucking weekend because what do they got to lose? So you're about to see a shift in power. The NFC is coming back quick, quicker than I thought. I thought it was going to take two years. Watch. Watch these two defenses take this league over. Watch. I don't know if I'd go that far yet. I don't think I'm there yet. But I will tell you this. Um, the Giants defense definitely proved it was legit. And we'll move on to the Giants-Seahawks game here. Um, When you shut down Russell Wilson the way they were able to do it, not just throughout the course of the game, but especially that last series of the game, you're a legit defense. And the idea that, you know, this was a team almost as bad, bad as the Jets at one point, and they've now won the four straight games. The defense has really bought into the system of the defensive coordinator, Joe judge. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know how you can look at Joe judge and say, you don't see a future NFL head coach. You know, every one of us from Eric to me to Dave, we all thought it was a dumb decision to hire Joe judge. And all he's done throughout this season is implement the plan that he wanted to put in place. The players have bought into it. Whatever happened between him and Mark Colombo, I think made a believer out of every one of his players that he was legit and that you need to buy into his system. And these players are all in lockstep behind this head coach. They've bought in. I don't look at the Giants as an overly talented team, but I think this is the difference between having a head coach who can stick to his guns, put his system in place, the players buy in, and now they're playing like a team that could wind up running the table because I look at these last four games that they have to play over the course of the the rest of the season. I don't think they can't win. I think they can win all four of these games. I agree. I think they can do it. I don't know uh, how you guys feel like for me, from what I've been hearing and seeing with the giants is basically Colombo went right. And then you started hearing whispers that Garrett was going to go. Um, it started to come around because what you were seeing early on is the Giants would start to sustain some drives and then they'd run some shit, stupid reverse play that they're just not capable of running right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Then the whispers of Garrett going started coming around and all of a sudden we started running the ball, right? We started running quick slants. We started running a solid offense back to the basics for a good team. And that's Joe judge. And there's a good chance you don't see Garrett next year. And if you do, it's only because he bought into Joe judge. I think you're right, Mike. I think Colombo was an example. Like if you don't buy into this shit, you're out. And I got the power to do it. Ownership gave me the power to do it. Coaches can't fire coaches. Coaches have to go to the general manager who go to the owner. They talk about it. He did it. And it happened. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Dave, you want to throw in anything? Well, I, I think, you know, kind of building off of that, the one thing to really <laughs> look at is you're seeing guys that earlier in the year weren't really carrying the weight. Uh, the one guy that mainly comes to mind for me right away is the running back Goldman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he got thrown into the mix with Saquon going down and, you know, it was kind of like an adjustment period for him. But I mean, he had, he had a couple really strong runs. He had a really huge long run against Seattle. Um, but the giants are who they, they're not, they are who they think they are. The giants know who they are. They know they're not a team that's going to drop 35 a game, but they know they have a defense that can keep teams under 20 a game, which means they need to score 21 or more. So very simply put, control the clock, run the ball, smart, easy passes for your quarterbacks, Take advantage of your weapons. You hit Ingram on a short crossing route. All he has to do is break one tackle against man coverage, and he can go 60, 70 yards. Sterling Shepard, same thing. You don't have your Odell Beckham where it's like, hey, just run down the field. We're going to chuck it up in the air, and you're going to go make a play for us. Like, they have adjusted to what they have, and just as much as, you know, Larry, how you're pointing out, like, they're just they're accepting what judge wants to do and what he's trying to put in place. But simultaneously, what they're also doing is they're accepting and being understanding of the players that they have. I've always been the one that's agreed. You do not sit here and force a player to fit your scheme. Mm-hmm. You mold your scheme to fit the players you have and the giants are doing it. And they've been continuously doing it successfully over the last four weeks and they're getting better at it. And that, to me, is the main thing you want to see is, hey, we know what our personnel is. We know where where we're strong at. We know where we're weak at. So let's push on what we're strong at, try to avoid what we're weak at. And we're going to be in every game. And as long as we can hold up in the fourth quarter, we can win any one of these games. Washington is doing the exact same thing. And that's why these two teams are the ones that, when this week is said and done, are going to be the two teams that come away with a win. And Philly and Dallas are the two teams that are just can't figure themselves out, whether it's the players, the coaches, whatever, they can't figure it out. I mean, we just, it just was announced an hour ago that this Sunday, Jalen Hurts is starting over. Like, don't tell me you're not, you don't know that you know what's going on with your team when you're making a quarter, you're benching your, quote-unquote franchise quarterback for a guy you drafted in the second round. You are doing – they are just picking it, grasping at straws, trying to find anything that works where the Giants and Redskins have been – I'm sorry, the Giants and the football team <laughs> have been putting their – slowly developing and figuring out what they can do with the guys that they have and putting game plans and schemes together to, to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to pose a question right here because listen, before the season, we slammed the Joe judge hire. We, all of us here have taken numerous shots at Dave Gettleman. Who do you put the success on more? Cause I put the success more on Joe judge being able to mold this team and putting the system in place that the players have bought into recognizing what works with the talent that you have on the team. And I credit the Giants' success to Joe judge 
over Dave Gettleman. Now, I still say Dave Gettleman is a bad general manager as much as now. Some of his picks have worked out. I credit that more for finding the right head coach who's been able to work with what he has and get the most out of his players than Dave Gettleman, who, to go back to something Dave just said, I feel like he's been the one who has been grasping at straws more over the course of his time as the Giants general manager than Joe Judge has as his time as the Giants head coach. If I'm the Giants after this offseason, do you still move on from Dave Gettleman? Because I, in my opinion, I'd still move on from Dave Gettleman because Joe Judge is the guy you got to keep here. I can go either way with Dave Gettleman at this point, in my opinion. I'll start with Schmelrose on that one. All right, so next time you watch a Giants game or you have a moment to just when their defense is on the field, listen to it. Uh, the commentators will eventually tell you about how most of the guys that they brought in the offseason, Logan Ryan, these guys, Bradbury, played for Graham here, played for Judge there, played for this guy there. That'll tell you right there who brought him in. That's a great but, point. That's a great but, point. Sorry. But at that point, you cannot sit there and say that a coach did a good job by adjusting to his team. When a guy in a position like Dave Gettleman is able to now, I'm not crediting him. I don't think he should be the Giants general manager next year. I'm not saying that, but you got to give a guy like that credit who's in that power position and is able to take a step back from that and say, listen, you know, let's see what you guys got going on. You know, let's save my job. And he was able to let the people that were brought in to coach the team that were trusted to do that also bring in some player personnel that they recommended. Uh, I just think being able to do that is a pretty smart move by a guy, and it, it it's putting your ego aside. And to be able to do that when you're in a power position like the general manager of the New York football giants with a rookie head coach and a defensive coordinator who a lot of people were giving shit because, you know, whatever, Miami wasn't good when he was there as a coach, and yada, yada, yada. He was able to sit there and give those guys the – freedom to bring in some people and it worked out and you know you got to give a guy credit for that putting his ego aside like that that's big I agree. listen i can agree with you on that point but i also think that at the same time is it on gentlemen for listening to them and putting the ego aside or is it for the head coaches who have worked with these guys before saying, listen, you need to do this. Like, who do you give the credit for that for? Because, yeah, all right, you want to say the thing about putting the egos aside. He didn't actually pick those guys, though. He let the head coach and the defensive coordinator pick those guys. And I'd almost give that more to judge. And I, I never remember the defensive coordinator's name. What's his name again? Uh, Graham, Patrick Graham. Patrick Graham. I'd give those guys credit for recognizing, hey, we need these guys here. And Gettleman just not messing it up and going out and getting those guys. Well, and that's the thing, though. Like, all right, so if you trust your head coach to bring in personnel, and this will be my last point on it, if you trust them to bring in personnel and you have a GM uh, or your defensive coordinator and you have a GM who let them do that and he stepped back, and you know what he did? He did the business side. He dealt with the agents. He signed the contracts. That was his job in that situation. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what they need right now, a guy who's willing – to let them bring their way in because everything that Dave described before molding to your team, uh, you know, everything he described that they, that the Redskins and the giants or sorry, the football team and the giants have been able to do. Uh, I mean, it sounds a lot like a team from the far Northeast and what they've been doing for well over a decade. Uh, 
Hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it's implementing faster than we all thought it, or than I thought it would. I thought Joe Judge was a good hire from the start, whether it was a stopgap or not. I thought he was the guy this organization needed at least for a year or two, if not more. Dave, what do you say? I mean, look, Gettleman's spent the last couple of years putting a really, really bad taste in the Giants, uh, Giant fans' uh, mouths. Um, you know, a lot of doubt, a lot of question marks. We all went into this year basically just saying uh, this is basically just a, a holding year. Like, we need to have people fill these positions. We're just going to hire whoever, and then we'll hire a new GM, and, you know, they can, you know, build their coaching staff, and we can, you know, start fresh. A lot of that's changed in the last four weeks. Um, you know, let's be honest. If they just beat Seattle, but it stopped a three-game losing streak instead of giving them a four-game losing streak, nobody's going to be on some natural high. Um, but – a four-game winning streak in the NFL is not easy to do. I There's not many teams that have done it. If you really look around the league, the Giants are one of, I think, five teams that have won four or more games in a row this season. So you're talking a sixth of the league has done it. So to me, the Gettleman thing, look, like you said, that team up in the uh, upper Northeast, um, outside of Boston, they is Bo- Boston, Boston, whatever. I can't, yeah. I can't do it. But either way, like they they ran that philosophy for a long time, and it's worked out really well. When Bill Belichick got hired by by the Patriots, nobody was really high on him. Like Cleveland just fired him. Nobody was very high on Belichick, and they gave him a chance. They let him run the show the way he wanted to run the show, and here we are almost 21 years later, and the guy's got, you know, five, six Super Bowl rings, nine Super Bowl appearances, like several, you know, I think 12 or 15 AFC championship game appearances. Like, it is absurd what they did, and he did all of it with a guy that was drafted in the sixth round. So when it's all said and done, if that's the philosophy the, the Giants are going to put in place, like, hey, get them. your job is to sign contracts, deal with agents, handle the business side. Let us tell you who to bring in. Let us tell you how, to, how we want things set up, and we're going to win, and we're going to win a lot. Then you keep rolling with it. Like they always say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And if all of a sudden the Giants rail, you know, win three out of their last four games and finish at 500 after the start they had, I don't know how you make any drastic changes because to me, all you did was build a massive amount of momentum going into the next season. You're going to make the playoffs most likely if uh, the season unfolds how I expect it to unfold. You're going to host Seattle in the, in the first game of the playoffs with how things are positioned right now. You just beat them in their own home field. So who knows? Maybe even pull off a playoff win. Like – you never that we all know with football, you got to get hot at the right time. And if I'm the Giants, the only thing I'm thinking is I really hope that our hot streak doesn't get ended next week. And then we all of a sudden lose two games in a row and we're maybe stumbling to the end of the season. That to me is the only thing that would make me clean house or not even clean house, but 
you know, if I'm, you know, the, the owners of the, the team, I'm talking with judge and saying, Hey, we want to keep you. What do you want us to do outside of that? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I look at the schedules here and uh, Washington has the easier route. Uh, they're playing the 49ers. They're home against the Seahawks. They have the Panthers. And then at week 17, they play the Eagles. And then the Giants are playing Arizona this week, Cleveland after that, Baltimore and Dallas at week 17. The Baltimore one is the only one I'm a little iffy on, but I, I do think they can win that. I'll tell you this, though. Looking at the playoffs, talking about, you know, maybe they can win a game. You look at the way the playoff seedings are right now, and the Giants would be the fourth-seeded team, so they would play the top-seeded wild-card team. Can you imagine if the Giants make the playoffs, win the division, and that first-round matchup is home against the Seahawks? Because that can happen. That can happen. So if I'm a Giant fan, that's what I'm hoping for right there, that they are able to run the table, make the playoffs, and you get Seattle in the first round. You already know you can beat them. Shamal Rose? I disagree. I do not want to play Seattle again. Um, because and After that game, you really don't think you can beat them in the playoffs when you're home. You're not in Seattle this time. You already beat them in their home ballpark. I, it's hard because it's the NFL and – you see teams that like when, when I watch the NFL, right. And say the Cowboys and giants play and the Cowboys sweep the season series. I can almost guarantee you the giants will win the playoff game if they play each other in the playoffs. So that's why that's I'm what happened worried. last time they played each other in the playoffs. Like, thanks for bringing that I know. up. I, well, I know, it. Well, yes, wait I but I can't, but that's, that memory. Let me but that's bring, but let me... that's how it works a lot of the time, man. Like if you sweep the season series, a lot of times you lose in the playoffs. I prefer, you know, I mean, obviously, if I'm going to see a guy a team in the playoffs, I would have rather split with them. But do I think we could beat Seattle? Yeah, but do I want to play a pissed off DK Metcalf? No. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, no. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I don't know if this would go to your point or not, but Cousin David's bringing this up in the chat, and it was hard for me not to think of this on my own anyway. Look at 2007, the last week of the season. They played the Patriots. They didn't win that game, but I think everybody came out of that game thinking, you know, the Giants might be legit here. And then they went on to that Super Bowl. Patriots going for that perfect season, and the Giants win the game there. And my brother, just to give him credit, uh, bet the Giants to win the Super Bowl that year in Week 11. No kidding. Yep. No you know kidding. they're plus and he's a Bears fan right now. You should That's be like, putting 20 uh, Giants. Hunter. <laughs> Why not? Dude, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, the NFC East team was an easy out, weren't they? And what are they now? Now, now people are scared, man. Well, listen, we could talk about the Washington game. I I want to bring up a tinfoil hat theory, and. This is one of those theories I feel like I can only bring up because Eric's not on the show because Eric would definitely uh, not be. Uh, I don't know if Eric would be behind this. I know the Sam Darnold thing when I brought that up a couple of weeks ago, the idea of Sam Darnold going to the Bengals in my back of my head. I'm thinking if I brought this up with Eric on the show, Eric would call me an idiot and he'd probably be right to do so. And I feel like in that vein, he'd probably be doing the same thing on this one. I got a tinfoil hat theory here. The idea that, you know, because what was it? A few weeks ago, we talked about the idea of Parcells 
coaching the Giants at some point? Uh, Belichick, we said. No, Belichick. Oh, did I say? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm sorry, guys. It's been a long day. Um, Belichick coaching the Giants. Can you imagine if the Giants fire Gettleman after the season and Belichick decides, no, he don't want to be a head coach anymore. He just wants to be the GM. So Joe Judge, who he has the relationship with, goes to the Giants and say, listen, let me pick my general manager. I got this guy out of the Northeast. You might like him. His name's Bill Belichick, and he wants to be the GM. I mean, I like it, but be, and it's, it's to strengthen that. Um, well, if you, you want to go, if you want Bill sorry. Belichick's longtime offensive coordinator, what's his name? The young guy went to Denver coach for a bit. Yeah, I yeah, only McDaniel. McDaniels. McDaniels. The only reason I can't think of his name is because I'm talking about him. Uh, Josh McDaniels, when he went to Denver, it leaked out. Belichick was very vocal. He didn't think he was ready to go there. I don't believe Belichick thought that Patricia was 100% ready to go and be a head coach either. Well, he was right on both accounts. Joe Judge came on a very high recommendation from Bill Belichick. And that's all I got to say. And do you think it's possible, Dave, I'll throw this to you. Do you think it's possible Parcells was uh, Parcell, I keep doing it. I'm sorry. Belichick was planting the seeds to have his head coach in place if he decided to jump shit from the Patriots to the Giants. This is I Belichick mean, I, we're talking about here. I mean, Belichick is one smart human being, but no, I don't think he saw himself playing that far out. Mm. I just, the Sith I just Lord? I mean, I like what you're doing with the old Dark Lord there, but uh, yeah, I agree no, with you, I, Dave. That That's was, tough. That I mean, I think it could happen. I don't think he planned it. I mean, it would be one of the happiest of coincidences ever for him. I like the fact that you said Sith Lord there. That's funny. Um, it's definitely true, though, because he is definitely a master of the dark arts. So he got that. But I don't know. I don't know. I Listen, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I think it can happen. I definitely like think Dave. it could happen. Dave, like, you know, like, the, you know, whatever, Spygate, all that bullshit, like, they, they, they got caught doing, like, I mean, do you think he would do something like that? I mean, it's an interesting point. Yeah, I think Bill, I think do anything he can, can to win, and he's one of the guys that pushed the rules until he's slapped on the wrist and told, no, don't do that. I have yeah. no, I don't, don't doubt that he did the cheating. I just don't think to him. He looked at it as cheating. He said, hey, like, I'm interpreting this rule like this. And until I get yelled at for interpreting it that way, I'm going to keep interpreting it that way because it gives me a competitive advantage. And can you honestly say he's the only head coach in football who would have thought that way? Yeah, there are times I definitely could think he's the only head coach in football that could think that way. I'm just, I, I See, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think he's the one who got caught for it. But the idea that other head coaches aren't trying to do the same thing. I don't know about that. The Patriots just get the attention because they've won a bunch of times. The idea that other head coaches aren't trying to do the same thing and trying to look for that competitive advantage and trying to stretch the rules, things like that. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a lot more rampant than anybody really wants to admit. I've always said it when they got caught. You hear it when at a young age. If you ain't cheating, you ain't, ain't trying. trying. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, real quickly here. 
because uh, it is about 744 right now. We spent a while on this. Yeah, I, I'll let you talk about this a little bit. Talk about your um, your Washington team beating uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. I just, you know, I got a little nervous that it wasn't going to happen. But like the Giants game, I was in here. My house was shaking. My neighbors hate me. Uh, the Washington game, I was sitting there. I was fairly confident it was going to happen uh, for parody purposes. It's almost like it's written. But uh, I just did not see the Giants being able to gain a lead on a Washington team that's looked good. And Chase Young is the real deal. The guy, I'm telling you, like I said earlier, you put a guy like that in your organization, all he's done his whole life is win, and he's not going to accept losing. And you can see it. The man is angry that he lost the first few games of the year, and he's just not going to accept it. I wish he was a New York Giant. Um I watched him play at Ohio State, being a Penn State fan. I watched him wreck Penn State uh, for two, three years, however long he was a starter there. And, you know, I mean, they did okay against him in a couple games, but that's beyond the point. But Washington's defense is legit. They are, like Dave said, adjusting. Uh, Gibson goes down, and all of a sudden, McKissick had 10 catches by the fourth quarter. Uh, And not all of them were out of the backfield. He's out in the slot. uh, So, they made an adjustment, uh, and I believe in Coach Ron Rivera. Uh, I think he's a really good coach. I was a little bit at some of the play calling in the beginning. My brother and I were talking about it. Uh, they were trying to go deep a lot, and uh, I thought it was a, you know, we thought that was a bad move. We thought the best way for them to beat Pittsburgh, Alex Smith's good at getting the ball out of his hand quickly. He even said before the game, I got to get the ball out of my hand quick. And then they tried a bunch of deep routes. Uh, but then the second half, they made adjustments. And that's what impresses me most about these teams. Both of those two teams were down going into the second half. You know a good team when the second half adjustments kick in. And that's where you can figure a team out. So, you know, when you have a team like the Giants for so many years, we'd watch them and they'd be winning, winning, winning. A team would make a second half adjustment and then they'd lose. Well, now they're the team making the second half adjustment and shutting people down and putting a few more points on the board. And the Reds, the football team, which another good point, uh, somebody said they should just call themselves the Natives and keep the same logo, which, I mean, that's genius. But uh, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. The Natives, um, they, I mean, they're real deal. I think the, both of these teams are real once they figure out their offense. I mean, Colt McCoy and Alex Smith just won games against two teams that people were crowning Super Bowl champs five weeks ago, four weeks ago. MVPs and Super Bowl champs and yada, yada, yada. Where's all that now? Yeah. No, I mean, and I'll tell you this. I mean, I don't think anybody actually thought the Steelers were going to go 16-0 and this season because the one thing you had heard throughout the season is that they were kind of playing – down to the level of their competition. They were playing just good enough to win, and you kind of saw that in certain games, like the Cowboy game. Cowboys held the lead for three quarters, and then the uh, Steelers put it out late, um, or take it back late. You saw it with some of the other games. Like, I'm looking at uh, the record from this season, and you just see it in the, the final scores of the game. I mean, um, beating the Texans by a field goal, beating the Broncos by a field goal, beating the Eagles by 10 points. They did dominate the Browns. They did dominate the Jaguars, dominated the Bengals. Those are the teams they're supposed to dominate. Titans and Ravens, they win by three and four points each. So this was a team that was always susceptible to a team that was able to make those second-half adjustments, like you said. 
and Washington was just able to pull it out at the right time. So I give them a lot of credit for that. Uh, I, I'm going to throw it to Dave here, but I want to say I told you a few weeks ago, Shmuel Rose, that J.D. McKissick, that's a fucking player right there. That is a really good player right there. Very underrated running back, in my opinion. Uh, Dave, what you got? Look, I mean, when it's all said and done, the Washington has invested their last four or five first-round draft picks on defensive linemen. And you are seeing that investment come to fruition. I mean, it's I mean, Chase Young's a monster, but they they have guys all over that defensive line that could just dominate. And you put them together, you bring a guy like Chase Young in this year. I mean, it, it really just I've always been a firm believer in this. You and I get it from the, you know, when I was a kid and watching because believe it or not, like growing up as a little kid, I grew up watching the Giants because my parents were Giant fans. And Bill Parcells always said it. You win by football by winning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So to do that, you need dominant guys on your defensive and offensive line. The Redskins have invested in their defensive line. If I'm then. I now trick. I switch over. I start investing into my offensive line. You can make. That's why most people are like, "Why would you ever draft a running back in the first round? What's the point?" You see the kid in Jacksonville. You mentioned him, him earlier. That is an undrafted free agent. You look around the league, and out of the top twenty running backs, only th- I believe three of them were drafted in the first round. Zeke Elliott, a first-round draft pick. First couple years in the league, played really great, really, really good. The last two years, he's been in a steady decline. He's down to averaging 64 rushing yards a game this season. Now, don't get me wrong. I was going to say. I understand injuries to the offensive line have an impact on that. And no Dak Prescott. But you know what also? If they had Dak Prescott and a good offensive line, I bet you Tony Pollard could run for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's fair. And they took him in the fourth round. So I'm just saying, like, Washington invested in their defensive line. It's starting to pay dividends now. Do I think they're a Super Bowl team? No. Do I think the Giants are a Super Bowl team? No. But do I think the Giants are going to be able to step into a game where they are a heavy underdog and punch the other team right in the face? You bet your ass I think both those teams can do it, and then it's on the other team to respond to it. Well, it's I'm gonna, that simple. I'm sorry, Dave. Um, I'm going to go on record right now. If the Giants win the division and they play the Seahawks in the first round, I think they win that game. I'm going on record with that right now. I think, I think they'll do that. Um, Washington, again, they have an easier road to the playoffs. I'm not as convinced with them. Just because I don't, I don't think they have enough on offense, in my opinion. But let's give some credit to Alex Smith. That's a feel-good story right there. The fact that not only was he able to come back after the leg injury that he almost died from, to be able to come back on the field in any way, shape, or form is incredible in its own right. The fact that he's able to do it, and he's winning football games, and he's the guy quarterbacking the team while they're on this run, that's a great story right there. And I give him a lot of credit for that. So that needs to be mentioned at least once here. 
I love the idea of naming the Comeback Player of the Year award after him. I think he's done more than enough to deserve that honor. Did you see the video before the game last night with him and his doctor? He said, we almost went uh, dead, pa- uh, dead leg, dead patient. That's exactly what he, his doctor said to him after the surgery. Mm-hmm. Almost went dead leg, dead patient. And that guy's beating an undefeated football team. And, Dave, you made a great point because Washington did that last night, and they only rushed four all night long and disrupted them all day. Rushed four all night. Got to win that line of scrimmage. Absolutely. Hey, really, really quick, because I know we're coming up on time, and I I don't mean to be rude, but there's no way I'm going to handle doing this show and watching the Cowboy game (laughs) because I – I may be team tank all the way, lose out, get a top five pick. Like, yes. let's freaking go. I don't want anything to do with the playoffs because Dallas will just get smacked by any team in the playoffs. But can we just point out the fact that Carson Wentz is officially benched in Philadelphia? Like, he's benched. Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback this Sunday. He came in, I believe it was halfway through the – second quarter this past Sunday mm. and never went back on the bench. Like the main reason I bring this up is because there's so many people I know that keep telling me that the Dallas Cowboys should not pay Dak top tier quarterback salaries. And I'm telling you right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to prove to you within the next year to year, two years that the salary cap is nothing but a load of crap. They will cut that man and they will spread the dead cap money over so many different years. It'll basically be like they're pe- playing a practice uh, squad player. So I'm blown away by it, but Wentz has looked atrocious and he's looked bad for more than just this year. He looked nothing more than average last year. Like, Wow. I, I was shocked when I heard that, like just shocked. And I just find it funny because Dallas, if they sign Dak to $40 million a year for four years, guess what's going to happen? If he sucks after two years, they're going to cut him. They're going to sp- spread out the dead cap money, and it'll continue to go on. Cap, the cap, salary cap in the NFL is nothing but a front. Sorry, but that's the reality of it, and I just – Really had to go through that little rant real quick. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Wentz winds up starting a game again this year because, listen, I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about Jalen Hurts because I don't, but right now I find it hard to believe he's going to be able to do much better because I think the problems with them is a little deeper than just changing a quarterback. So I do think Wentz winds up coming in. Your point about the salary cap is a great one because when you – and we've said this time and time again – When you hear those numbers, those aren't real numbers. The only real number is the guaranteed money. And there's a reason why all the guaranteed money always winds up getting paid up front in the first two or three years of a contract. So they can get out of the rest of the money. Yeah, there's some dead money on the books, but you can get out of the rest of that money. It's like you didn't spend anything. So, yeah, salary cap, it's a nice idea and everything. But that's all it really is in the NFL. It's an idea. Those numbers aren't real. The NFL wants to cut someone. They're going to cut someone. Shmel Rose? I think the cap forces them to stay generally honest. Uh, It keeps things a little bit in perspective. 
but you're right. I mean, they're able to just hide the money and, and shave the money. You know, it does serve a little bit of a purpose, but like Dave's saying, uh, signing a guy to a big contract's not going to kill you. But it, what it does is it makes sure you can't have fucking 53 of those guys on your roster, you know? But, I mean, uh, I agree with Dave 100%. Mm. Yep. All right. I think next next week we got to start looking at the playoff picture here because we're we're heading into week 14 right now. Dave, like you said, we're running out. Of, we're running a little long here, so we'll move on to picks here. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I mean, yeah. All right. Dallas fan. We got to watch the games. Do we really need to watch the game, though? We know what's going to We know what the end result's going to be. We're not right. winning this we game. Get 16 a year. That's right. it. This ain't basketball. This ain't hockey. This ain't baseball. We got 16 a year. You bet your ass I'm watching the game. Well, listen. And though I want them to lose, I'm going to be screaming at my fucking television if they're getting their asses kicked or sucking out. I, I'm going to – I can't help it. I just well, can't listen, help I'm going to be honest. Hopefully, I'm with you. Listen, hopefully this changes for me. But, you know, I, I guess this is this is the Met fan in me. When they're bad, I don't feel like watching them when they're bad. You know, I'll watch them when they're bad, but I ain't going to make it a priority because I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, but hopefully better days are ahead on that one. But anyway, all right, let's do some picks here, Dave. Well, I'll tell you what, let's. Uh, so, Shmel Rose, we talked about the good in terms of the games that you got right here. I will say me and Dave Bone went two and two last week with our picks, so we didn't exactly have great weeks. Shmel Rose went one and three last week. So Dave is in the lead on the season at 42 and 24 there. Schmelrose is holding firm in second place at 40 and 26. And I am still pulling up the rear there. I gained a game on Schmelrose, but I am at 38 and 28. And does anybody have any idea if Eric has been keeping up with our picks? I think when he returns, we're just going to have to give him a whole week to catch up. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I texted him today to see if he was going to make it and hope he's doing well, but I didn't end up hearing back from him, so. I um, did. I did call him last night. I have tried to reach out to him numerous times over the last couple of weeks. I have not heard back. So well, hopefully he's OK. Yeah. I know he's been he's been slamming at work and stuff like that. So it's probably just a lot, man. He gets out of work at what, five o'clock and he's he's staring at two computer screens and banging out stuff for work and doing a lot of stuff. And his eyes are probably tired. He's probably, you know. It's a lot. He's he's busy right now because, from what I understand, he's got a heavy workload. So um, he's probably just tired. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's start with some picks here. Week fourteen of the NFL season. We want to do a little Hastings highlights to start off the show. Hastings highlight of the week. There you go. <laughs> All right, so what is the game for the? Ooh, all right, we got one. I think, ooh, all right. I I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm between Chiefs at Dolphins and Steelers-Bills. I think I got to go Steelers-Bills, though, on Sunday night. That looks like a good game, actually. Buffalo, I mean, the way Josh Allen played last night, are you kidding me? 
That man went off. He looked like Tom Brady in 07 prime. Like, I'm just going to stand back here, pick you apart. The difference is if his offensive line breaks down, he's athletic enough to get out of the pocket, throw the ball accurately. Like, him going up against T.J. Watt, that's going to be a lot of fun. Pittsburgh coming off a really hard loss against Washington. I mean, we, we got to keep one thing in mind here. Like, really think about this. If Pittsburgh loses this game, Buffalo is only one game behind and would have the tiebreaker. That's how close this is. So, to me, I think that adds extra pressure. Um, I think, and honestly, to me, if I'm Buffalo, I'm playing with house money. I mean, that's at least how I feel. Like, mm. we're the Bills. Nobody, ex- Everybody expects us to choke. Everybody expects us to fall apart. Like, we're just going to go out there and play. And if we suck, who cares? That's what people expect. But if we win, how many of those doubters are turning into believers? Um, with all that said, though, uh, not much home field advantage for Buffalo if you consider the fact Pittsburgh plays in Pittsburgh. Um, so the, the the temperature, the whatever weather might be going on, like not going to be much of a difference for Pittsburgh. No home crowd. Um, I don't think – I don't know if the Bills are even allowed any fans in the stadium. And if they are, I know it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it would be a really low number. So, um, oof. You know what? I, I think I'm going to take Pitt, Pittsburgh on a bounce back week. I, I think they uh, got punched in the mouth by Washington, had some flaws really shoved in their face. And uh, I, I always will trust Mike Tomlin as a coach. So uh, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I'll tell you right now, man, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. If you would have told us three years ago, Josh Allen was looking like the best quarterback out of that draft class. I don't know that anybody would have really believed you, especially after his rookie season. He did not look good during that rookie season at all. So where he has brought himself to right now is incredible to me. And yes, uh, Dave said something very, very true there. They are playing with house money. They got nine wins on the season. I think there were people that thought they could compete to win the uh, the AFC East, but I don't think there were any true believers in this team. And there have been times throughout the season where they haven't exactly been dominant at all because I think they've lost some games that they probably should have won when you see certain things that they've been able to do throughout the season. Bring Stefan Diggs in. Diggs has had an incredible season. You got some really good running backs in the backfield. You haven't even unleashed the rookie Zach Moss. You haven't really gotten to see what he's been able to do yet because he's been your backup for most of the year to Devin Singletary, I believe. So you got a really good offense. You got a decent defense there. And, you know, we said it before. I don't really think anybody thought the Steelers were going to go 16-0 and this season because you look at the game, the teams they've been able to be competitive with and the games that they probably should have dominated, that they let those teams stay in the games close. I just wonder if you do that with the Bills, will you still be able to win the game? So I'm going to go a little different from you. Maybe this is because I'm um, four games behind you on the season. I'm going to pick Buffalo here. 
I'm going to go with Buffalo here. I'm going to say they win it and hand the Steelers their second straight loss. Schmel Rose, what do you got? I'm struggling on this one because in Buffalo, the city itself, there's a certain mystique. There's not a, many cities where the sports teams uh, interact so much with the fan base, and it, it's they bleed with them. They really do. Like they, they're, they're together. I've seen it firsthand. I know some people from there. So it's tough because I know you say it's not a home field advantage, but it's just that mystique of Buffalo. It's a different city. Uh, when they're there, it's different for them. But then again, in my opinion, Mike Tomlin's the best coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, if you gave Mike true. Tomlin, if you gave Mike Tomlin Cam Newton last year, that team would have been in the playoffs. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. All right, Mike Tomlin, go look at his record. He's never had a losing season ever. He's had a couple of eight and eights in the middle there. Never had a losing season. Okay. So it's hard for me to pick against him on a bounce back week. So that's the only reason I'm taking the Steelers because I believe they have the best coach in football right now. All right. So he's taking the Steelers. I don't know if I'd say Tomlin is the best head coach in the league this season, though. And it's funny. I can't really think of someone I would put up there above him. But like I said, I feel like they should have been a lot more dominant in the games that they wound up winning, and they wound up making them a lot more closer than they really should have been. Like, Tomlin is a great head coach. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from that. I just don't know if that's really been proven this season, though. So I'm, I'm going to push back on you a little bit there. I hear you, but what he did last year was a work of art with that. No, I agree. I know? agree. And and listen, listen, if you last 15 years as a head coach in the NFL, you're a great head coach. Like, honestly, Belichick, Harbaugh. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd go that far. I think he deserves he, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. First ballot. I don't know. I don't know if I'm there yet. But listen, Mike, he's going to Mike, he, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Eh, if, you, if you say so, I don't know. 15 years without having a losing season. Yeah, let me. Let I me think see. so. I That's why I think that the Washington game. He's going to be able to use it. I don't think he's been happy with the team, the way his team's been playing. When you're a coach and your team's undefeated and you're not happy with the way they're playing, it's very hard to drive that point home. Now they just lost to the Washington football team, the Natives, which I'm going to call them from now on. Yeah, I like that's so not. I, I think we should start that trend. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Credit to Gary Schmelrose, my brother. Yeah. Um, the Natives. Uh, so I think he's going to use it as a wake up call and get his team to wake up. But we got to get Dave to his Cowboys because I know how it is. Well, I watch the Giants I, I every say, down, say, every. I want to say that Belichick, Harbaugh, Tomlin, those are the only three head coaches, if I'm not mistaken, who have been head coaches for more than ten seasons. That's elite category right there. That's elite company right there. So, um, well, you know, some I may go back on that whole first ballot thing. You guys may be right on that. Anyway, okay. So what? Ag's aggravations? Aglioloro's aggravations? Aglioloro's aggravation. See, you can say it. You just can't spell it. Everybody I just can. wait. I just wait until you say it, and then yeah. I can say it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. <sighs> I don't know where I'm going on this. I tell you what. I'm not gonna do a, a survivor pick here because it's funny in the CBS league. They don't let you start game planning for next week until this week is finished. And obviously we got the game tonight, so I can't do that. So I don't even know if I can pick Seattle this week because I might have used Seattle already. So the game I'm going to go with here, I like this Thursday night matchup. Uh, a Super Bowl rematch 
between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Rams are sitting at eight and four on the season. They've done well this season, in my opinion. I mean, Goff is a great quarterback. I like him. I like the team as a whole. You have one of the, you have the best defensive lineman in the NFL and Aaron Donald, in my opinion. And you have the Patriots in six and six. They destroyed the Chargers this week. They beat the Cardinals the week before that. They've won four of their last five games. So I think this is going to be a very entertaining uh, Thursday night matchup, which is a rare thing. We've talked about that before. <sighs> I don't know who I want to pick here. Um, you know something? Fuck it. I'm going to say the Patriots win this game. Um, I like the Rams and everything, and I think they are definitely a legit team. But I think the Patriots fell into a lull after their whole experience with the virus. And I, I think it's just taken them a few weeks to get their bearings back. Because as we've said so many times, we still don't really know the full after effects of this t- team. So I wouldn't be surprised if that played a large role in them falling off midseason the way they did. I'm going to go with the Patriots here over the Rams. Dave, who you got? Uh, Cowboys are driving. Give me the Rams. <laughs> Schmelrose, who you got? I'm going to be on the Rams there, too. Okay. All right. So, Schmelrose, you're going to handle both of these. You got to do intros and the whole thing. It's time for the Toilet Bowl of the Week. The Toilet Bowl of the Week. Uh, we're going to go with... Oh, that was pretty weak. That was pretty Sorry. weak. Yeah, go well, bombastic. Was... Go big. Be- Toilet bowl of the week. There you go. Oh, I like it. You added the flush sound too. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. It's a, it's kind of tough to pick because all the shitty teams are playing decent <laughs> teams, right? Yeah. Um, there's one that I have pegged that I have to use for the shit show, so I can't go there. Um, so I'm gonna roll uh, toilet bowl, toilet bowl, toilet bowl because I think let's go Broncos Panthers as the toilet bowl of the week. And I'm going to take Denver. Who's the home team in that? Oh, there it is. All right. Panthers. Okay. You're going to take Denver, you said? Denver over Carolina. Yes. I'm going Carolina in this one. The edge to the home team. Dave. Oh, Dave, stop paying attention. Well, the Cowboys are on a drive. They're on a drive. Dave's muted himself there. All right, fine. Sorry. 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 I didn't okay. want you guys hearing me scream at the television. My bad. <laughs> all um, good. All good. Yeah, 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 do a little uh, play-by-play. So, play. Do a little play-by-play. Play. What's going on? Uh, Dallas was driving. Now it's second and 24. It's Dallas. Right. So that's all you need. Okay, third 24. Uh, Dave oh, there is, you go. Yeah, I was. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm streaming on the on the Yahoo app. I don't have uh, cable, so. Oh my fault. Uh, it's uh, Denver uh, Panthers for the toilet bowl, my friend. You know what? Give me Denver. That defense is serious, and then the red zone are even better. Uh, I think they're a top ten defense in the red zone, uh, and they're due a win. So give me Denver. All right. The Larry Schmelrose shit show of the week. We'll go with that intro. We got uh, two teams that have graced the shit show in separate occasions separately playing each other this week. One I've been on a lot. The other one I've been on a little because I like their offense. Uh, the Falcons chargers. 
I'm going to take the Falcons in this game just because I think they're, they have the better quarterback. They're the better team. Um, but that's the shit show of the week. We're going to go Falcons chargers. We're going to continue to follow Justin Herbert around, see how he's been doing. And I also believe that if you took the Falcons offense and put them on either Washington or the New York giants defense, you'd have a legit super bowl team right there. You know, you said that last week and I want to throw something in on that. I want to say, yes, do that. You'd have a legit super bowl contender. You give them Zeke Elliott in the backfield, Super Bowl winner. Anyway. I, huh? I got you. That's good point. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, if, he, if he doesn't fumble the damn ball. Well, that's fair. You give him Tony Pollard as the backup. He'd still be better than any option uh, those teams have. Um, all right, so who did you pick here? You picked Atlanta? Sparrows? Yeah, I took uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons with that high-powered offense. You know something? Maybe this is because I need a couple wins here. I'm going to go with the upset. Anthony Lynn is now fighting for his job. They said he was going to review his job at the end of the season. I like Justin Herbert. I'm still a believer in him in those early flashes we saw at the beginning of the season. And I'm not a believer in Atlanta. Got to be honest, not a believer in Atlanta. It's great that they changed the coach. Early in the season, they seem to be playing better under the interim head coach. But Rasheem Morris is not a good head coach in his own right. We've seen this before. So I'm going to go with the Chargers here to win this game. Yeah, I'm siding with uh, Schmelrose. I'm going to take Atlanta. All right. You got a chance to make a big jump this week, don't you, Michael? Or go in the like biggest hole of the season that I never come back from. I want to defend myself really quick before we go. The only reason why my other picks are better because I can't overanalyze four games a week. Like I overanalyzed those two games last mm-hmm. week. There's no way I could do that, or I would never stop looking at my computer and numbers. And everything that I saw coming out of those two games last well, I'll week. Well, I'll, I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more thing in your favor: the fact that we do this on a Tuesday, and I'm sure none of us really prepare these picks. We just do them for the show. We do them on the spot, Johnny on the spot, the whole thing. And then you have a few days after the fact to actually look at things and see things. Like I can see why your picks in the group text on Thursday and Friday wind up being more accurate than the picks on the show. I can see that because I listen, when I look at this stuff, I'd look at it and it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it would, I'd be sitting here for 80 hours if I had to do four games. Well, sure. And also again, it's the fact and that I want to be sure that I got all four, right. I'd be here forever. Yeah. And also it's the fact that we're doing this on a Tuesday, just coming out of the week because this is the day we tape. Can't do anything about that. So obviously you're going to have more data available to you as the week goes on and we get closer to the actual games. hundred percent. Yes. But I'm still not buying stocks from you, Larry. Sorry. Cousin David. will. yeah. Yeah. No, we should share that. Cousin David after the giants, what texts me as I'm driving home saying, tell Larry Schmelrose, I want him to pick stocks from my retirement portfolio. That shit was hysterical. I'm driving down the throughway and I see that text. That was great. That's great. All right. I does anybody have anything else they want to bring up, Dave? I know you're watching the game. I wa- I know you're watching the Cowboy game right now. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up for tonight? Uh no, nah, I'm good. All right. Schmel Rose. Next week we will be at the midway point of December, and I'm gonna do a little digging from now until then and try and figure out what's going on at the start of the new year with the NHL season for you guys. 
Oh, well, I tell you what, I got I, I actually have a little bit of info for you on that because they announced today like they're trying to start the season on January 13th. It looks like they got all the financial stuff taken care of between the Players Association and the owners. They're just hammering out a few details, but the owners are trying to get a 56 game season to start on January 13th. That's what I heard. Yeah, I'm going to try and dig deeper. Uh as deep as I can to see, you know. Oh, you're not proud that I knew like that. that? You're not. I am very proud. Okay. I, I had no, I haven't even, honestly, it's December. I've been watching a lot of football. Yeah. Um, I haven't even, you know, I've looked at some things with the devils, but I really haven't even thought of the NHL start yet. Mm. Um, just cause I'm not confident in it. Uh, but, and I don't want to be disappointed, but I do appreciate that you told me that because now it makes it even more worth it for me to go digging and see what we got. But I am impressed that you took my job. I, I, <laughs> I wound up being in the car a lot earlier today, so I heard it on WFAN. Gotcha. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Well, I guess that will do it for us this week. I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening here. Let's do some final thoughts here. Dave Hastings. Uh, go Cowboys. Hope you lose. Go Cowboys. I don't freaking know. <laughs> Fantastic. Larry Schmelrose. Baby, come back. <laughs> you got to finish the whole fucking song, goddammit. Will, when baby comes back. Okay. What are you saying that in reference to? Or do you just like that song? I miss my friend. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. In honor of Eric Tressler, uh, stay sweaty, my friend. And that'll do it for me. I am Mike Aglioloro, your host. Thank you, everybody, for listening on all our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor. Uh, we definitely thank you for joining us, no matter how you join us, Cousin J- David in the chat. Once again, I am Mike Aglioloro. We will see y'all next week. <laughs>